the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson. Here you will hear teaching that will challenge you to a deeper walk with Jesus. Whatever place you are in your understanding of God's plan for your life, you will grow closer by listening. No shame, no guilt, and no condemnation. But you will be challenged to a closer walk with God. Now here's Pastor Israel with today's teaching. We are to look at the commandments of Christ as a response of faith. As a response of faith. Look at verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me, in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus is repeating himself so that we'll get the, the message. Jesus himself commanded his disciples to bear the fruit of faith, which is righteousness, how? By abiding in His Word. Their faith in what Jesus says, I'm talking about the disciples, their faith in what Jesus said about Himself made them clean in the sight of God. They are now to continue to remain faithful to His Word so that they be, may bear more fruit, more fruit of righteousness. Righteousness. The same is true for us today. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, we have been made clean positionally righteous. Now we continue to remain in Him so that that righteousness will bear more fruit. We will be, we will be more of a, a light to the world uh, and we, we become the, the, the shining stars, the Bible says, of the righteousness of God into the world. Obviously, Jesus says this is not an automatic thing. People think that I'm now a Christian, you know, I'm automatically going to be righteous. Not at all. I, I don't know about you, but since I came to faith in Jesus, there's been a lot of stuff that I, I wish I didn't do. There's a lot of stuff that I, I even now, if, you're, if we're honest with ourselves, there's a lot of stuff that we say and do and think that we wish we didn't say, do, or think. <laughs> well, no, it's, listen, it's all part of the process. We need to be able to remain faithful. That's why the blood of Jesus continues to flow. So that we can get up when we're down. So we can continue to live this life. You know, we need to train ourselves in righteousness. The Holy Spirit is here and that's part of His ministry. You know what the Bible says? It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, I think it's in your outline. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed. Okay, so with these words of Christ, the Scriptures, the commandments of Christ, they're all breathed of God. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The commandments of Jesus to us who believe are not simply rules and regulations for us to follow. We still think that being a Christian, being righteous means, oh, I have to follow a set of rules and regulations. No, 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 no. That, that, you know, the, the righteousness that we practice is training. It's actually make us, making us appetizing to God. Every day we walk with the Lord. It, it glorifies God. We think that worship, worshiping God for many of us, is coming to church on Sunday and doing our 
duty so that we can be uh, seen by God as coming to church on the Lord's Day and all of that stuff. Now, that's all fine and good, but that, that can lead into some kind of a rule and regulation in your life. It can turn legalistic. It, 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 it can turn very legalistic. You're saying, you know, I'm doing this thing on, on, on Sunday. You know, I'm singing these songs. I'm, I'm praying and I'm doing all of these things on Sunday. Now, there's, there, that, that's fine. That's a commandment from the Lord. But this is something we do every day. You know, worshiping God is something we do every day, not on Sunday morning. And I know I'm, 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 I'm being, you know, I, I sound like I'm talking down to people. But that can get to be, you know, the even even. Church attendance can be a legalistic aspect. But I tell you, if you worship God after the service, and you do that on Monday and Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, believe me, people, you will be here on Sunday. Because that's just part of it. But this thing called obeying the commandments of Jesus is not a legalistic thing. It's not some kind of a right. Our righteousness is some, it's not a set of rules to follow. It is a training that we do. Living moral, pure, righteous lives is not something we do because we're, we're being regulated and legalistically being brought to it. No, this is training for us. We're, my one goal in here is to glorify God, and that's your goal too. All right? No church can ever make you glorify God. No preacher can make you glorify God. This is you and me doing this, getting ourselves trained in righteousness. It's not an obligatory thing that we do. This is a response of faith because I put my faith in Jesus. I will continue to walk righteously before Him because this is an act of faith that I'm doing. I'm bearing fruit because this is what I chose to do, to remain faithful in doing the things that I know is consistent with my position. I, you know, I, let me use again an illustration of a, an athlete. You know, if you, if you have been drafted as a quarterback, uh, stop training to be a wide receiver, right? You need, to, you, you, you need to be trained into the position that you have been put in. In this case, Jesus says, I put you in a position of righteousness. You are righteous. Now remain and bear fruit. Bear the fruit of that Righteousness. You know, I'm old enough, and maybe some of you are old enough to remember in, 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 in this country, in, our, in any country, you know, where people struggle with right and wrong, but they still know right and wrong. Remember those days? Right? We don't broadcast what's wrong publicly, you know. We, 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 we pretty much do the wrong things, but we, we feel ashamed that we did it, so we put it under the table. I'm old enough to remember when some things are, are wrong and people recognize they're wrong. They still do it, but they have some shame, some recognition that they're wrong. Those days are gone. Just turn on your television. People are not ashamed to do bad things anymore. Those days are long gone. We live in a world today when, when righteousness is just so subjective that, that people are saying, yeah, we need to show our righteous anger against those who want to stop the killing of babies. No, it makes you feel uncomfortable, I know. But that's the kind of world we're living in. That's the kind of world we're living in. And if we don't know right and wrong as Christians, if we just sit around and say, ah, let them, let them say that that's right for them, you know, and it, it may be wrong for me, it's a private thing. Listen to me very carefully this morning. 
There's nothing in the Bible that says that your faith is private. There's nothing in the Bible. You know what the Bible says? That your faith will take you to the rooftop so that you can shout out what is right. We are to be the light of a dark world. And who do we make as light of the dark world? Thor, Iron Man, the Avenger. These are, these are the people that we look to. And whatever they, these, you know, whatever these products are and all of that, listen, God is not in them. Righteousness can be seen in the people that walk in righteousness, that speak the word of truth. Those days are gone. We need to be able to remain faithful and righteous. These are the times that we're living in. That If our character is not refined, we will not look at Jesus' commandments as important. And if our character is not refined and we don't know what the commandments of Jesus is supposed to do, we will never have the third thing, which is courage. You know where courage comes from? Character and the commands of Christ. That's where courage comes from. And that's why I'm telling you this morning, these are all interconnected, okay? The third aspect is this. We are to look at courage as reliance on God's faithfulness. When you say you are a courageous Christian, what you're saying is, I'm relying on God's faithfulness. Look at verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such, a, such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and they burn. Do you know what it's saying? It's saying there are Christians who have absolutely no character. They, they don't know the commandments of Jesus, and they absolutely have no courage that when a problem comes, when they're confronted with, with something that is true, they shy away, they, they get burned by life. That's what Jesus was saying. You need courage. To be righteous, you need courage. Nobody can walk righteously before God without some measure of courage. It's impossible to be faithful in righteousness without the boldness of courage. At some point, we are to stand for what is right and true no matter what. To have courage doesn't mean we reject fear of what might happen to us. If we stand for Christ, uh, having courage is not rejection of fear. Okay, I want to make that very clear because a lot of people think, you know, if you have courage, you will not be afraid. Not at all. We should be cognizant. Listen, family of God, listen, Christians, we need to be cognizant that if you make a stand for Jesus Christ, you need to be cognizant of the real fear that comes from that, the real consequences. And you must be afraid. I must be afraid. There are real consequences to walking in Christ by faith, okay? We're not inviting problems. We're not inviting or, or asking for persecution. But we, we need to be cognizant and we need to be expectant of persecution when we make a stand. Again, I'm making the point that we're not trying to invite them in our life. We're not being obnoxious to people. We're not saying to people, uh, you know, holding these cards and things like that. We're not confronting people. We're confronting the wickedness in our world by the righteous life that we live in, okay? Uh, we're not inviting problems, but at some point we need to show God and we need to show everyone else that our courage is rooted on our reliance on the faithfulness of God. God, get, God gets the glory when we make those stands. Let me tell you, God is honored when we take a stand against 
the culture that hates God. Do you know we have a culture that hates God? We have a cancel culture. You speak to them about the values of, of, of biblical values and things like that. You're going to be mocked, ridiculed. You're going to be taken to task. It's going to be an unpopular thing because it's not acceptable to our culture to be a Christian. Not anymore. We live in a very, very um, antagonistic culture. But we don't look at our culture. We look at the faithfulness of God. God's been around. God has sustained His people through generations of the faithful. And that, that's why we can never stop preaching on this walking faithfully in righteousness. You know, it starts with Sunday school. It starts when we were little kids. It had to be preached until, you know, till Jesus comes. Because we're in the business of glorifying God through our reliance on His faithfulness. And when He gets glory through our righteousness... He brings us. He, he brings His name at the front of our lives. You know, I'd rather be hated by a, a canceling culture than to be hated by God because I didn't make a stand. Courage is not the absence of rejection or not the absence or rejection of fear. It's a simple act of reliance to the faithfulness of God. If God says it's true, folks, it's true. If God says you make this stand, you can count on that. When the, the stance that we make as Christians, they're not intended to bring hate to people. We love people. We'd rather have the world judge us than for God to judge these people because of the wickedness that they want to say righteous. But sometimes we do lose heart because of fear, right? We fear of losing people, fear of losing popularity, position, especially today. We have a very hostile creature that seek, a, a culture that seeks to mold people's minds towards a brand of righteousness that defies God's word. I, I alluded to that as the cancel culture that we live in. When you stand for a certain moral or traditional value, you're going to be mocked, you're going to be ridiculed, you're going to be punished only because you stood and had the courage to stand for what Jesus said. But loved ones, our courage as followers of Jesus, again, it's not born out of a lack of love for people. No, it's a motivation to be politically powerful or to be influential in our world. No, as Christians, we rely that God will see us through all of the commitments we make on the strength of His promises. We must bear the fruit of true courage. It is better to be canceled by a, a God-hating culture than to be re rendered useless in the eyes of God. And Jesus says, those who remain in me or stay, stay faithful in me, I will make them more fruitful. But those who do not stay faithful, I will cut them off. They will wither away and they will be burned. What does that mean? Does that mean, again, does that mean God is, is going to simply kick you out of his family? No, not at all. If you trusted in Jesus... God still loves you, but you know what? I said it before, but you're pretty much useless to God. How, why, why are you useless? Because you're not giving glory to God, right? How many of you remember the 80s? In the 80s, I, I brought this, this jacket. I just illustrated this way, this jacket. It was the coolest jacket in the mid-80s. You know what it was? It was a members-only jacket. It was cool. Everybody had it, all right? So I was a young man in the 80s. I bought that jacket. It was expensive. You know, it's like a two-month two salary. It was expensive for me at that time. So I bought it. It looks nice. Fits me well. But you know what? That jacket, the fabric is too thin 
to wear on cold days and too thick to wear on hot days. I, I couldn't wear it outside. So what did I do? I only wear it in controlled temperature inside my room. And I took lots and lots of pictures of me wearing it. You know what I did? I took all those pictures and I showed it to my social media in the 80s. And you know what social media is in the 80s? It's called a photo album. That's when you call your friends and your family. And he says, look at me. So here's the deal. That jacket, okay, it's everything it cracked up to be. It's beautiful. It's cool. Everybody thinks I'm cool. But it's useless. I can't wear it. It's good as a picture. But it no, has no practical use. And that same thing with, with a lot of Christians. They look good. God still loves you. But you have no practical use from God. All right? He can't use you when it's cold. He can't use you when it's hot. He can't use you in good times. He can't use you in bad times. So what does God say to you? I still love you, but you ain't playing today. You're sitting on the bench. That's what happens to many Christians. That, that what happens to them is the same thing that happens to the china dishes that I got for my wedding. They're sitting nice on my china cabinet. When people come in and say, oh, those are nice plates. Then I serve them on a paper plate. I ain't using that. It's just a display. Just look at it. You can't use it. That's what we are in the sight of God. We are standing in China cabinet. You're laughing because it's true. God doesn't mean God doesn't love you. He values you. But there are times in your life when God is going to put something in your heart and God is going to say, do this, do this. You obey when you hear that. You obey. You don't like it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to give my testimony. You know, I'm a shy person. But God is going to speak to you. God wants to use you. God says, I'm going to put you out there. Listen to me. Do not listen to the devil, the world, or your wife, or your husband. Do what God is saying. Because one day you will look back and you will say, I'm glad I said yes. Because now I'm on the spotlight and it's giving glory to God. I can give you many, many instructions. I've been in churches for a long time. I have dealt with board members in churches that hated me because I was young. There's this one guy in the boardroom that always shuts me down, shuts me down. Yeah, you're too young. You don't know, blah, 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 blah. He never got anything that I said so seriously. He always hated what I had to say. And uh, you know, what do I, I was a young guy, I was a young preacher. What was I supposed to do? I'm supposed to respect the guy and all of that. And years later, I found out when that man was young, God spoke to him and says, be a pastor. And he rejected the call. And he went and started a business, did his thing and all of that. Years later, he was so sorry that he, he has all the talents, he has all the gifts to know how to run the church, how to preach and all of that, but he didn't have the opportunity because I was there. I said yes. He said no. He was giving me a hard time, but I'm saying that because there will be a time when you said no to God when you were much younger. And here you are really old, and you're criticizing everybody you see. Blah, 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 blah. You missed the boat. You should have said yes to God when he called you. You should have said yes to God the moment he asked you to do certain things. Because a time will come when God is going to lift you up. Not to make you proud or anything like that, but to, to, to have you die on your deathbed, wherein you can close your eyes and you say, Ah, thank God I didn't reject your call. No, God still loves you. You're disobedient, sad to say, but you're practically useless. Fourth thing, the last aspect of this faithfulness is communion with God. We look at communion as a relationship of favor. 
This is important for our walk in righteousness. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and I will, it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The biblical definition of the word favor is this, demonstrated delight. It is a tangible evidence that one party has the approval of the other and vice versa. Our relationship with God is that of a mutual favor where God is delighted with us because we are delighted in Him. It is a relationship. It is a covenant that was initiated by God and He extended it to us. So when we talk about communion with God, it's much more than, than just you know sitting down and praying and talking to God. It's delighting in God. It's having the desire to be with God, not for any other reason, but to be in fellowship with Him. It's a relationship. This is a covenant relationship. It's not one-sided. Our salvation is one-sided covenant, but our our fellowship, our communion is mutual. He delights in us and we delight in Him. That's how it works. And that delight is not based on the benefits that comes. You know, sometimes we think when God says, um, I found favor in you. You know how people really re translate that? It translates automatically to riches and fortunes. Alright? That's our thing. God, God's favor has nothing to do with riches and fortunes. Okay? It's a relationship. It has nothing to do with the benefits or even the blessings. But, but, but here's what the favor of God looks like. When we favor Him, He favors us. Look at, look at Psalm 37 verse 4. It says, Delight yourself into the Lord, unto the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This psalm is not about the benefits of the blessings of God's favor. It's about communion. It's enjoying God's company. Not His blessings. Not His benefits. It's His fellowship that you and I seek. It's God demonstrating His delight in us because you and I demonstrated our delight in Him. I want to make that clear. This communion that we have with God, the, 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 the com communion means finding favor with God. It's about favor. It, it's not about anything else. It's, it's about a relationship of favor. Finally, I would like to close with uh, the, the 23rd Psalm. If you want to understand what this favor of God is, so there's no more confusion, the 23rd Psalm. We always use this in funerals. Every time you have a funeral, this has to be read. But this verse has nothing to do with funeral. This is a communion verse. It's about fellowship. Let me read it to you. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Here's the best verse in the Bible. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't know if you really read that psalm. And I don't know if you're not floored about that verse. God says, I prepare a table before you in the presence of my enemies. That's communion. That's fellowship with God. That's finding favor with God that you can be dying of cancer. You could be ev being evicted. You can be facing all kinds of troubles. Everyone is coming after you, north, south, east, west, up and down, below on the sides. And God says, come, I prepared for fellowship. I don't know if it doesn't get you. But that's what God is saying about communion. He prepares a table before us in the presence of my enemy. 
You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's favor gives us, very quickly, these things. Verses 1 and 2 of the 23rd Psalm. Peace and satisfaction. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He gives us, when you find favor with God, He gives you peace and satisfaction. Verse 3, He directs us and refreshes us. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Verse 4, protection and guidance. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for the Lord is with me and His rod and His staff, they comfort me. So we get protection and guidance. And verse 5, we get fellowship and fulfillment. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And finally, He gives us abundant life here and eternal life after we die. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, abundant life, and I will dwell on the house of the Lord forever, eternal life, favor with God. It doesn't say, oh, you're just going to get all these blessings, anything you want and all that. No, you'll get the fellowship of God. You sleep at night knowing that if you didn't wake up, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That if you do wake up, surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. What does God get out of us that deserves this righteousness? Because when God is glorified, you and I will be satisfied. You've been listening to Living on the Rock Radio with Pastor Israel Labson, a ministry of Living Rock Christian Church in Sunnyvale, California. If you have been helped by this radio program and would like to keep it on the air, your continued prayerful and financial support is greatly appreciated. Please visit livingontherockradio.com where all your tax-deductible gifts will go directly to the radio ministry. That's livingontherockradio.com. Living Rock is a church that doesn't care how you are dressed or what candidate you voted for. A church made up of imperfect people from all walks of life with a hunger and thirst to understand God's plan for our lives. No matter what you've been through or what questions you may have about God and faith, You will find love, grace, and hope at Living Rock Christian Church, 675 East Taylor Avenue in Sunnyvale, with Sunday worship starting at 1030 a.m. More information at livingontherockradio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.